Well, good evening, Las Casas family. Um, I hope y'all are doing well. Uh, thank you for taking time just to come join us tonight in our continued uh, sermon series, just going through the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded for our midweek service live stream. I hope this has been uh, a blessing and encouragement to y'all and hopefully just help us during this time just to understand even more of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, especially during just these just unprecedented, uncharted waters as we're living in right now. And um, just to kind of give a quick briefer for those who might be turning, uh, tuning in for the first time uh, as far as what this sermon series is about is we're looking at kingdom-minded. And so right before Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount, he says in Matthew 4, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what we look at is if we have repented, that means we have changed our way of living and changed it to a new way of living. We've changed our way of thinking. And so this change of thinking leads to this change of action. And so now that we've repented and believed in Jesus, we are now representing him. And so what does that look like to represent him and live for him? And so that is what the study is all about, is understanding what does it mean to be kingdom-minded, to represent the kingdom of heaven while we live here on the kingdom of earth. And so tonight what we're going to be looking at is blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful is what we're going to be looking at tonight and just studying. But before we, before we begin that, I, I want to give us a quick scenario for us to think about. I want you to think about this. Imagine that you just have this insurmountable debt. This insurmountable debt, let's say against the CEO of a company. Um, this debt is too much for you to be able to pay on your own accord. It, there's nothing that you can do in order to forgive this debt. So you have this insurmountable debt against the CEO. But imagine this. Uh, imagine that CEO not only goes ahead and forgives all of that debt, everything paid in full. But imagine not only that, that he extends even a job offer to you at their company. How, how would you, uh, uh, how would that affect the way you view this person? How would that affect the way, let's say you represent that company? How would that affect the way that you interact with others? As silly of an illustration as this might sound, it, it's so, it's such a representation of just our relationship with Christ is that we had this insurmountable debt because of our sin. And that because of our sin, there is nothing in and of ourselves we could do to forgive that debt. But what Jesus did is he came down and he died on the cross and he paid that penalty in full. That he paid for all of our sins for all of time. But not only did that, he went the extra mile. He went the extra step. And now he extends this offer for us to be able to live for him. For us to now become followers of him and have a right relationship with God. And when we understand that, we understand just how much Jesus has forgiven our debt. And not only that, but he extends this offer that we're able to live for him if we repent and believe in him. That's going to change radically the way that we live. That's going to change radically the way we look at him. The way we look at others. The way we interact with others. And that's what I want us to look at tonight is how when we truly understand Christ. That changes the way we view things. That changes the way we view others, interact with others. But here's the thing. We are fallen, sinful human beings. The thing is, we're prone to pride. We're prone to pride and only caring and serving ourselves rather than caring and serving for others. Is that our natural tendency is to look out is what's best for us. 
maybe to stockpile stuff for ourselves rather than going out and serving others. But when we look at Jesus, we see something that is totally counter-cultural, totally opposite to the way our hearts are and the way we live. And so here is the main point I want us to get out of this verse tonight, is that if you're following along on your notes, it'll say main point. And here is the main point for tonight's sermon is this. The gospel commands us and empowers us to serve Christ by serving others. The gospel commands us and empowers us to serve Christ by serving others. That what we're going to see is that when we truly understand just how much Christ has done for us and continues to do for us, then just a natural overflow out of our lives is to live out Christ, to represent Christ in our lives towards others. So if you have your copy of God's word, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, looking at specifically verse 7. And so here's the verse we're going to be diving into tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, where it says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for tonight. Thank you for just this day of us being able to pray to you and being able to cast all of our cares, anxieties, burdens, requests, making all of them known to you. And so I pray during this time, dear Lord, my request is that you let me hide behind your word and let it speak for itself. I pray that you will free us up from any distractions we might have, that we will just Focus in on what you have to teach us tonight through your written word that is sharper than any double-edged sword, that is good for proof and teaching, rebuke, and helping prepare us for every good work that you've saved us and prepared us for. So would you help us tonight understand what does it mean to be more merciful and to receive mercy and to understand just the mercy that Jesus lavishes upon us? So would you help us focus in over these next few minutes? Would you convict us of sins? Would you help us repent of those? Would you help encourage us during this time? And just as always, as we study your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us become more like your son, Jesus, and who you've called us to be? Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so with each week, what we've been looking at is um, with each verse, we see how there is an attitude we are to have, and there is a blessing that comes from having that attitude. And so tonight, the attitude we are to have, which is our first main point on the notes you have, it's the attitude we are to have is compassion towards others. Compassion towards others. How it says, blessed are the merciful. And so what this does now is um, the first three verses in this uh, Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3 through 6 was kind of the first pattern, the first set of Beatitudes. Those are the attitudes we are to have towards God, where we see our spiritual poverty, where we see our need for Christ, where we see our sinfulness, where we mourn over our sinfulness and sin that affects others, to where we respond to Christ and we desire Christ. And now what we're looking at in the next few verses over the next few weeks in Matthew 5, 7 through 10, is we're seeing this next set of beatitudes we are to have. That now that we see our need for Christ and we're turning to Christ and and responding to him and pursuing him, that will now lead in turn to how we respond to others and how we live out that faith to others around us. 
And so what it starts with, it says, blessed are the merciful. So if it says the merciful are blessed, then we got to understand what does that mean? What does it mean to be merciful? And so merciful, here's what the definition of merciful means. It is a person who shows leniency, compassion, or forgiveness, especially towards someone who has offended them. Merciful, it's a person who shows leniency, compassion, or forgiveness, especially towards someone who has offended them. And so what does merciful look like? Now that we know what it means, what does it look like? And so, of course, with everything we see in Scripture, with all of these Beatitudes we read, if it means to be a follower of Jesus is what this looks like, then what merciful looks like is in the person of Jesus Christ. He alone is the perfect example we look at of what it means to be merciful. And so let's think about just this perfect example of who Jesus was, of how he was forgiving and compassionate towards other people. Think about this. Jesus went to the lowest rung of people in society when he was here. He went to lepers. He went to the poor. He went to the promiscuous. He went to the tax collectors, people that that other people written off in society or people that they viewed as lower in society. Even other examples of the woman at the well that we see or Zacchaeus, the tax collector. We see all these different things of Jesus going and being compassionate to those that are just the lowest rung of society that people would write off. In fact, it says in Matthew 9, 36 through 38, where it says Jesus looked about among the crowd. He looked out among the crowd and he felt compassion for them as they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And that's when he goes into saying, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he's sending us to go out into this harvest for us to be able to show the same mercy of God to others. Because here's the thing, when, P, when Jesus saw these, Jesus saw people as people, not projects. He saw them as people, not projects. Even more so, Jesus saw not people in need of correction, but in need of saving. He didn't see these people in needing of, let's say, some sort of behavior modification or correction, but he saw these people that were in need of saving, saving from their sinfulness. And so it even says, just to go even a step further, how compassionate and forgiving Jesus was. It says this, it says how in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, how Jesus, while we were dead in sin, we were dead in our trespasses, we were just following the principalities and power of the air and of this earth. And then in verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love he had for us, made us alive in Christ. He made us alive in Christ, that we are saved by grace through faith. And this is a gift from God, so we boast in nothing else but Christ, and that he saved us for good works. Or it says how in Romans 5, 6 through 11, one of the greatest ways we see this mercy of Christ is that Christ died for the ungodly. It said how Christ died for the ungodly. It said, yes, yeah, some might die for a righteous person. They might even die for a good person. But then it goes a step further. But God showed the greatest mercy and compassion of all. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still in rebellion against God. That while we still rejected God with everything in our sinful nature. Yet he still came down to earth, took on flesh and died to pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. 
It's the greatest example of mercy we could ever see. In fact, I want us just to imagine this for a second. Imagine, imagine trying to lay down your life for someone. I could imagine that if we are married, we would lay down our life for our spouse. That we care so deeply about them that we would lay down our life. Or if we have children, we would lay down our life for our children or grandchildren. Maybe there is even friends that we love so dearly that we would lay down our life for. Maybe some of us are even so bold that we would even lay down our life maybe for some strangers if it means that they could truly live. But imagine there's someone that harms our family. Imagine there's someone that harms our friends. Imagine there's someone that has wronged us in that sense. Are we still willing to die for them? And I think for many of us, we wouldn't because we would want to look at what's best for us. What, what is the point? What, what is our incentive for dying for this person? But the beautiful thing we see in the gospel is that Jesus, that we were, we wronged Jesus. We rebelled against Jesus. We rejected Jesus. And if we're not in Christ, we continue to reject him. But Jesus yet still, he comes down knowing all this knowing all of this, knowing what he was going to endure, knowing that he was going to suffer the greatest, most gruesome, most horrific death of all mankind throughout all of history. Yet, Jesus still came down. The creator of everything took on flesh and submitted himself as to creation, served us, pointed us to, G, pointed us to God who sent him, and ultimately to pay for the penalty for all of our sins, for all of time, to purchase our salvation, and to provide a way for us to be able to have a right relationship with God if we will repent of our sins, repent of our rebellion against him, and believe on him and receive him as Lord and Savior. That is truly mercy. That is just a beautiful picture of mercy. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Jesus showed compassion towards us. He showed forgiveness towards us especially those someone who offended him. We have offended a holy and perfect God, yet that holy and perfect God still sent his holy and perfect son to appease that sacrifice, to not only be just, but show his love, that he loves us so much that he would die for us and pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. So let me ask us this. How do we view others in light of this? Do we see them as just, let's say, their status in society, their position at work or their position on a team? Or do we view them as people made in the very image of God as we are? How do we treat others? Do we treat them based off, let's say, what they have said and done? Do we focus so much on the external of a person or do we forget that they are a person made in the same image of God as we are and they are in just as much need of the grace of Christ as we are. And so like it said, merciful is those that are forgiving and compassionate, especially towards those who have offended them. So I want us to look at ways that Jesus was forgiving and compassionate. The greatest way we see that Jesus was forgiving is that, like I said, he died on the cross. That even while, that even on the cross, even while people were mocking him and they were gambling for his garments, that he still cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or how it says in Colossians 2, 12 through 15, that he has paid our record of debt in full. That we are made alive in him. That he's forgiven us of all of our trespasses and moved it to the side by nailing it to the cross. Or how it says in Psalm 103, verse 12, how it says, As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions. 
Think about that. As far as the east is from the west, not from north to south because there's a north and south pole, but as far as the east is from the west, basically saying he has forgiven us for all of our sins, for all of eternity, for all of time. He has cast them out by the blood of Christ. By crying out, it is finished, and being resurrected out of the grave, Jesus showed once and for all, there is no sin too great he cannot forgive. And that there is no person too far from God that he cannot forgive. That he can extend mercy to anyone. Because here's the thing. Here's what it shows. It shows that we are all in need of Christ. We are all in need of Christ. Because here's the thing. The cross of Christ humbles us. The cross of Christ humbles us. It knocks us off our high horse. It knocks us off our pedestal that we see. And as we see, if you'll see in your notes, at the cross, we are all even. At the cross, we are all even. Because when we come to the foot of the cross, all of us are on the same playing field. We're all on even ground on that. We are all sinners in need of a Savior, that no one is greater than the other. All of us are made in the image of God, that we are fallen sinful human beings, and we are in need of the grace and mercy of Christ. And how His mercy is never-ending. How his forgiveness is never ending. And he lavishes his grace upon us by dying on the cross for us, paying for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. So when we understand that, we understand that Jesus showed mercy to everyone, regardless of, regardless of where they came from, regardless of their background, that he died for everyone. And that if we'll repent and believe in him, we'll be saved and have a right relationship with him. Here's what we see. Not only at the cross are we even, But also this, as we look at the cross, we see our need for Christ. As we look at the cross, we see our need for Christ. So we see, we look at the cross and we see, wow, there is so much that he died for. And even as we continue to pursue him during this time, they'll see sinful habits and tendencies in our lives that we need to continue to repent of. And we see even more of our need for Jesus as we continue to strive after him. And this humbles us. This humbles us because then we turn our gaze to the world around us and we also see their need for Christ. Not only that, when we look at the cross, our hearts should swell with compassion for people. Our hearts should swell with compassion for people because Jesus came to die for those people as well. Jesus came to die for them just as much as he did for us. And that should swell our hearts with compassion. That now when we look out upon the crowds, when we look out across our workplace, when we look out across our county, when we look out across our schools and sports teams and neighborhoods, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to all the ends of the earth, our hearts should swell with compassion, seeing people helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd in need of a Savior. That the more we understand the mercy of Christ, the more we understand our need for Christ, and that should humble us rather than puff us up, that that'll eradicate more of the pride at the root of our lives and want to go and serve others. Because here's the thing, at the cross, we see the heart of a merciful God. At the heart, at the cross, we see the heart of a merciful God. And as we see, let's say, the mercy of God, it changes not only our hearts, but also changes our perspective on how we view things. And this change leads us to the second point of this. So the first main point we have, the attitude we are to have, is that we are to have compassion towards others. Because we see the compassion that Christ shared towards others. 
So once we see that, the blessing is from that is that we become more like Christ. We become more like Christ. It says in the second half of the verse, for they shall receive mercy. They shall receive mercy. When we see the cross of Christ, we see our need for him and we see others need for him. And like I said, our hearts swell with compassion, but it doesn't stop there. It's not like this compassion swells in our hearts and we look out and we just stop there going, oh man, these people really need Jesus. No, no, no. This should overwhelm our hearts so much that it overflows out of our lives and leads us to action. That'll lead us to action. A way I would describe mercy on your notes is this. Mercy equals pity plus action. Mercy equals pity plus action. Like I said, that we see other people's need for Christ, and this compels us to want to go out and show them Christ, to live for Christ. Because here's the thing, mercy is more than just an emotion we feel, but it's a response to need. This mercy is more than emotion we feel. It's more than just seeing people and going, I really desire for them to know Christ. That is a great start, but that desire should compel us to then go out and respond to that need. Respond to the need of others in their need for a savior. Mercy compels us to serve. Mercy compels us to go out and serve others just as Christ served others while he was here on earth. That we follow the example of Christ by serving the least of these to the greatest of these and everyone in between. That since Christ has shared abundantly with us, we share abundantly with others. Just as Christ shares abundantly with us, with his grace and his mercy, or even physical blessings, then we then turn out and we share abundantly with others, just as Christ shares abundantly with us. This is not something for us to hold to ourselves, but it's something for us to turn outward and to show others. Like I said, we are to show others an outward proclamation of an inward transformation, that we proclaim to others how we have been transformed by Christ and we show their need for Christ and how they can have that same transformation. In other ways, we see physical needs and we care for one another. One way is we see in Galatians 6 to us as the body of Christ, that we're to bear one another's burdens. In other ways, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 to 27 is how it says, when one person rejoices, we all rejoice. When one person suffers, we all suffer together. If we're all individually members of this body of Christ, that we care for physical needs, that we become the hands and feet of Jesus to represent Christ as the body of Christ and go out and serve others. That's why we do the food bank. That's why we have Portico. That's why we have mission trips to, let's say, Enfuge or Nicaragua, is that we see these needs around us and we want to go. We want to go and we want to serve and we want to point them to Jesus. Because here's the thing, caring for those physical needs isn't the end goal. Yes, it is great for us to be able to provide the physical needs for people. That they're able to provide, let's say, food for someone that's in need. We're able to, let's say, provide medical care for people that are in need or fix bicycles when we're in Nicaragua. But, but it's to point them to their greatest need, which is spiritual, which is forgiveness of sins. That yes, we, we give them food, but ultimately we're saying we're pointing them to the bread of life, to the fountain of living water. That yes, we provide medical care for them, but ultimately we're pointing them to our ultimate need that we are dead in sins and we're in need of transformation. We are in need of being brought from spiritual death to spiritual life that only comes by the grace of Christ. It only comes by grace alone, in faith alone, through Jesus Christ. In fact, one thing that, uh, that this reminded me of is just last week, 
I remember I got home from church. I got home from preaching in the Zoom prayer meeting, and, and I was sitting there talking with Rebecca, and she was having conversation with some friends and just wondering about just this season we're living in and just kind of what's going on and is, is are we living in the end times or not? And as we, were, as we were just kind of talking, wrestling through that, Rebecca was wondering, you know, as we think about this, I wonder how many unreached people groups there are. And so Rebecca actually went on uh, the Joshua Project and we looked at that. And right now, as it says, there's 7,410 unreached people groups. Out of the entire world population, that is 42.5%. That is 3.19 billion people out of the 7 billion people that are living on earth right now. 3.19 billion people that have never heard of the name of Jesus, that have never heard the gospel of Christ. That should swell our hearts with compassion, break our hearts for those people that we want to go, that we want to make disciples, that we want to go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth and be a witness for him. That we have seen Jesus and experienced his mercy. We want to go out and show mercy to others. That we want to go out and point them to Christ. That we want, yes, to serve them physically, but again, point them to Jesus. That the gospel compels us to go out and serve. When we see Jesus and we understand him more, it compels us to go out and serve. And that as we see Jesus, as we look to him more, as followers of Christ, we see more of the heart of Christ. And as we understand and see more of the heart of Christ, then we will reflect that heart in our lives. That means we will serve others. We'll have compassion towards others. We'll even forgive others when they have wronged us just as Christ did, that we show mercy to others. Even if others aren't showing, let's say, mercy to us, that we still show mercy because we're reflecting the heart of Christ. I mean, Christ showed mercy to all, regardless of their response to him, that Jesus was showing mercy to each and every person, even if they weren't reciprocating that back to him. How Jesus is the greatest example of mercy, that regardless of who it was, he would show mercy and compassion and forgiveness towards these people. That regardless of their background, he would serve these people. So let me ask us this. Are we quick to show mercy to others? Does the mercy of Christ, when we look to the cross and we see the sacrifice Jesus made, does it, does it just break our hearts for our need for him more? But more so than that, does the mercy of Christ compel us to then now go serve others? Do we, or, or even more so than that, if we are serving, do we serve just to check a box? Are we serving to truly point people to their need of a savior? Are we, are we going to these events just to check a box saying, okay, I did that? Or are we going to this saying, okay, I'm going this as an opportunity, just as a small way to plant a seed or to water that seed and point them to a savior? Because here's the thing, when the mercy of Christ has truly gripped our hearts and transformed our lives, then we will live for Christ and serve others out of the love for Christ. We'll be like it says in John 13, 14 through 17, where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And he says, just as, just as I have washed your feet, just as your Lord and Savior, your master served, uh, has washed your feet, so are you to go out and follow this example and wash other people's feet, that the servant is not greater than its master. 
and how if Jesus Christ, the creator of everything, the savior of our souls, that if we are truly in Christ, the one we proclaim to follow, that if he is willing to get on his knees and wash his disciples' dirty, disgusting feet, including Peter, who's going to deny him three times, and including Judas, who's going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver, if he is willing to show mercy and extend mercy and compassion to them, in service to them, then what's our excuse to not extend that same mercy to those around us? As it says, to go a step further in Mark 10, 42 through 45, Jesus said how the servant, again, the servant is not greater than its master. And Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to be a ransom for all. He came to be the example that we are to follow. And to go even more of a step further, the John 13, 34 through 35, just a few verses after Jesus washed his disciples' feet and said, follow this example. Jesus saying in John 13, 34 through 35, this new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And that these have people will know you are my disciples. This is how people will know you are my disciples and be able to know more about Jesus is by our love for one another and our love that we extend to one another, our service to one another as the body of Christ, but our service to those around us, to a watching world. Because here's the thing I want us to understand about this mercy is this mercy has a reciprocal nature to it. Like I said, the mercy of Christ compels us to show the mercy of Christ to others through our lives you know, a life transformed by mercy. But when we do this, we will see, again, this uh, reciprocal nature of mercy. So here's how it looks. is We see the mercy of Jesus. We see the mercy of Jesus on the cross, which means we desire Christ. So because we desire Christ, we pursue Christ. And as we pursue Christ, we will live for Christ by serving others, just as he served others. And by serving others, we become more like Christ, that we're no longer being more prideful amongst ourselves, but we're seeing Jesus. We're becoming less self-oriented and more others-oriented. So we'd be serving others by becoming more like Christ. And then as we serve others by becoming more like Christ, we become more like Christ in that serving. And as we become more like Christ, we see the mercy of Christ in that process. And then as we see the mercy of Christ, again, we will desire Christ. And on and on and on this cycle goes. And this beautiful sanctification process and cycle of mercy. Because what I want us to understand, when it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What I want us to understand what this not is. It's not saying, okay, if we show mercy, if we are merciful to others, then we will receive the mercy of Christ. It is, it is not saying that if we extend this mercy, then, then we will, let's say, earn more brownie points with Christ or, or we will, let's say, earn more favor and get higher up in his rankings or that we will earn salvation. That's not what this is talking about. This is nothing, workspace, or anything to do with this. What this means is that since we have experienced the mercy of Christ, that we desire to show the mercy of Christ to others. That as we show the mercy of Christ to others, we will receive more mercy from Christ to become more like him and live for him. Because here's the thing, we cannot show mercy until we experience mercy. That we cannot truly show mercy or be merciful to others until we, not, until we experience what mercy is, until we understand what mercy is. And that comes from the person of Jesus Christ. That we truly understand him and truly come to know him, that we will live for him. We cannot show mercy until we experience mercy. 
And then to go a step further, uh, once we have experienced mercy and now we decide to show this mercy, we go out and show this mercy of Christ to others, then here's what will happen from that. The more we show mercy, the more we will receive and experience mercy. The more we show mercy, the more we will receive and experience mercy. But again, we cannot show mercy until we experience mercy. But once we experience that mercy of Christ, it compels us to go show that mercy of Christ to others. And then as we show that mercy of Christ to others in service and living uh, for him and pointing others to him, then we will receive even more of his mercy to become more like him. Then we will experience even more of his mercy. That will become even more like Christ. We will see him become even more prevalent in our lives. Just think, mercy is to be or to become the recipient of compassion. And so as we experience this mercy of Christ and as we're being merciful by by showing this mercy, by showing this compassion, by showing this forgiveness towards others, only by Christ because we're following his example. As we do that, we will also be the recipient of his mercy. They'll be the recipient of the compassion of Christ that just swells our hearts, transforms our hearts to become more like Christ and more in tune with him, to help us become more like Jesus and point others to him. I'll never forget a, a quote by a pastor, uh, the student pastor of the church I came from, Pastor Mark Young. He always said this phrase, and just it always stuck out to me, is we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. We're never more like Jesus than when we are serving. Because we look at the example of Jesus, Jesus served all. Like I said, from tax collectors to the promiscuous to the lepers, just to everyone in society that people would, let's say, would cast out, or how he would even serve Peter, who would deny him three times, serve Judas, who was going to betray him, that he knew all these people that were going to mock him and reject him, even flog him and crucify him, that he still extended mercy to others, that he still showed mercy to others, regardless of their background, regardless of they came from, that he saw them as people in need of a savior that he came to die for. And that's just, that should break our hearts. And that should just compel us and convict us to want to now go show the same mercy to others. And so here's what I would ask us tonight. Have you experienced the mercy of Christ? Have you truly experienced the mercy of Christ? Are you, are you truly living for him? Or are you just trying to live for yourself? Are you just trying to live for yourself and what's best for you and what you can gain from stuff? Are you truly living for him? Have you truly experienced the mercy of Christ, knowing that he has come and he has died on the cross, that he lived a perfect sinless life we couldn't live, that he served others in this time, and that he died on the cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins, for all of time, that he's made us a way to purchase our salvation and give us a way to have a right relationship with him, that if we will repent of our way of living for ourselves, that if we repent of our rebellion against him and instead believe on him, believe in that finished work that he had and receive him as Lord and Savior, we can have a right relationship with him. So maybe you are watching this tonight and maybe you are not a believer in Christ. But you continue to hear about this mercy of Christ and that, that you desire that. You're saying, that's something I've never experienced before that, that I want. I'm tired of living for myself. I keep trying to do all these things and serve myself and just, it never seems to be enough. And of what I would say is, as, as John says, that we are to decrease and he is to increase. 
So maybe you're, you are not a, that you're not a believer and you're watching this for the first time and you want to experience this mercy, but you think, man, I've done too much. I, I've, I've lived for myself too much. I've rebelled a lot against Christ. I, there's no way Christ could forgive me. There's no way Christ could extend compassion to a sinner like me. And here's what I would say to this, is that his mercies are new every day. His mercies are new every day and you can receive Christ today. Here's the thing, if our sins were too great for Christ, then Christ would still be buried in the tomb. But that's not how the story goes. Our Christ, Jesus Christ, is bodily resurrected from the grave, overcoming sin and death and the consequences of sin. And he's forgiven us of all of our sins for all of time, like I said. That if you will repent of those sins, and if you will believe on him, believe in that finished work, then you can be saved today, that today can be the day of salvation, that you can experience this mercy of Christ tonight. Maybe there's some of you that are watching that you are a believer in Christ, but you are struggling. You're struggling right now, that it's difficult for you right now. It's difficult to, let's say, live for others or or just you're struggling right now to have that focus. Maybe things are going on right now that you want to truly care for your family right now, which is inherently bad, but, but maybe it's at the neglect of serving others around us. And, and, and you have that constant wrestling in your life or, or that you've strayed away from Christ some is what you feel. Here's what I would say to you as well. The exact same thing. His mercies are new every day. That he extends his mercy towards us. That his compassion and forgiveness are never ending and unlimited. That, that his forgiveness is never ending again. That the tomb is empty. And that you can start tonight by living for him and pointing others to him. It's not like you have to wait a certain time period. That you can, you can also repent of those sins and turn to him. And he will extend mercy to us to be able to then go out and extend that mercy to others. Maybe there's some of you that are watching and you are a believer in Christ. And right now, uh, you're doing really well. In many ways, you, say, you would say you're thriving right now. That, that you are truly living for him. That you are extending that mercy to others. That maybe during this time of pandemic, that it's helped you be able to spend even more time in your word. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in just your walk with Christ and become more like him. And deepen those roots of your faith. And grow more in your relationship with Christ. And that is now uh, turned into you living that just in an outward way. That you're pointing others to him, you're maybe checking on neighbors and you're doing these things that that you are trying to extend that mercy and show that mercy to others that you've experienced. And I would say, that's awesome. And I would say, continue to do that. Continue to run your race. Continue to deepen those roots and strive after Christ. But here would be my encouragement for y'all as well, is don't forget where mercy comes from. Don't forget where it comes from. Keep looking towards the cross of Christ. That every single day we will proclaim the gospel to ourselves daily. That we remind ourselves how much we are in need of Christ. How much we are in need of Christ. That we look to the cross and see just what our sin has done. But we see how our sin has been forgiven. That that humbles us, but that also strengthens and encourages us. To where we know where our mercy comes from. That we receive that mercy that is new every single day. And we're able to then turn and go out into a watching world that is in desperate need of hope. Especially during these times. We're able to show that mercy to others. We're able to extend that to others. And as we saw tonight, that those who are merciful, those who are extending that compassion and forgiveness to others, as we do that, and as we serve others, as we continue to strive for that, 
then we receive even more mercy to become even more like Christ, to become even more of the people of God that he has called us to be, and that we will be able to represent him well. Because the gospel, it, it companions us and it empowers us to be able to serve Christ by serving others. And as it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for just lavishing your grace upon us and extending mercy to us, that even while we were yet sinners, even while we were rejecting you and rebelling against you, that you still came down and died on the cross for us so that we might be saved and live the abundant life. And so I pray, dear Lord, um, that you will help us because even as we become a follower of you, there are days where, where just sin can just truly just slow us down and trip us up and that we need to daily repent of that and become more like your son, Jesus, that we are in daily need of his mercies. And we're so thankful that as we see your mercies are new every single day, that it never runs out on us. And so I pray during this time, dear Lord, for maybe those that are unbelievers, that, that are just going through life trying to live it for themselves and nothing adds up and all of it just seems to let them feel more empty. Would you help us as followers of Christ to show that mercy towards these people? Regardless of their receptive or hostile to the gospel, would you let your mercy empower us to go to these people and show them that, to serve them, to tell them about Jesus and that your mercy will just wear on their hearts and transform them to come to you, to repent and believe and turn back to you. Would you help those believers right now, maybe that are struggling, would you remind them that your mercies, again, are new every single day? They can turn to you, be forgiven, and continue to strive after you, that we are held together, that you never cast us out. And would you remind us, uh, for those believers that are doing well, would you just remind us where our help comes from, where our salvation comes from, where our mercy comes from, that we look to the cross and remind ourselves just, just what Christ did on Calvary's hill. And then as we see that, would you remind us to deny ourselves daily, to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus wherever he takes us, wherever he takes us into the world, whether it be Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, or to all the ends of the earth, that we will deny ourselves, pick up our cross, follow you, that we will serve others, and that we will make you known. It is only by your grace we can do this. So thank you so, so much for the cross of Christ that there is no sinner too far gone from your grace and mercy. Would you remind us of that? Would you help us live that out during this time and not just this season, but all seasons of life? Help us abide in you as only you can. It is only by your grace. It is only by your mercy. It is only by your just sovereign will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.